please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for life. We thank you for breath. We thank you that you've given us minds to hear what you have to say, hearts to love you. Lord, would you show us what it means to live for your glory? For each of us was meant for that. How are we to live as individuals? How are we to proceed as the Northern Collective? For your glory and for our joy. Amen. So how did we get here? This is our story and God's story. That God is writing His story and He's invited us to be a part of it. So I'm going to talk about how the Northern Collective got here. It all started when I was a little baby. <laughs> no, no, we're going to jump to 2014. In 2014, I, I began studying Christianity in a more formal sense. So I enrolled at, uh, it's called Knox Theological Seminary, and I received my master's degree in biblical and theological studies. You don't need to know what that means. I don't really know what that means, and it's not really getting me anywhere, but I enjoyed it. And one of the courses I took was called Church Planting. And if you're not familiar with what church planting is, it's just a made-up Christian word for starting new churches. So I was taking this course um, about church planting, and I wasn't really thinking about church planting, nor did I want to church plant, but I was required to take this course. In the summer of 2016, two years after I started my master's, before that, Kate and I were actually anti-church plant. Like, we didn't want to see new churches in Whitehorse. And you might think, shocking. But not really, if you think about it. We live in a territory with, what, 45,000 people. We have, what, maybe, if I'm being very generous, 20 churches. And so we're just, we're just adding to that mix. Churches are struggling. Why would we add to that number? But it wasn't until I started taking this course and I read this article by this man named Dr. Tim Keller entitled, Why Church Planting? And he said in this article that church planting is essential to what Christians call the Great Commission. That you are to go into, the all, into all the world making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded. For behold, He will be with us. So you make disciples that make disciples, followers of Jesus that make followers of Jesus. You do this through, as you see, after this great commission is given in the Bible, how did the disciples respond? How did the apostles respond? They started new churches. They planted churches everywhere. All sorts of churches for all sorts of people. They planted churches. This is the story of the Bible, actually. We should all be about church planting. Not all of us are called to church plant, but we want to see churches in India where there are no churches. We want to see churches where Jesus is neither named or known. We want to see new churches. We want to see local thriving churches, a community of light pushing back the darkness. That's what we want to see. So from September 2016 to 2017, after our hearts were changed by God, we started a home group. We prayed together. Uh, We hosted a weekly Bible study to see what the Bible says about church planting. And during this time, I made hundreds of hours of phone calls to 
church planters. I just looked them up on Google and I said, hey, you planted a church? What's that like? What's it like having kids? What's it like being married? Is it easy? Is it hard? How much money do you need? Like all sorts, because I didn't know what this looked like practically. <coughs> so I talked with people in Alaska, some people in the Yukon, and all around Canada. And in March 2017, my wife and I were commissioned. We were sent by our, our former church, Riverdale Baptist Church, to go to then Whitehorse Baptist Church. They changed the name, it's Mountain View Church now. So we were sent in March 2017. And as I'm finishing up this course on church planting, I was asked to write what was called a master plan. <coughs> so this master plan, um, my assignment was to choose a, choose a random city in the world and come up with like a, it's like a business proposal, church planting plan. And uh, I chose Whitehorse, and I kind of started doing some research and kind of started thinking about, oh, how this would work. And that master plan kind of became like a real plan. And we gathered a few people in our home, maybe about 10 people who, who had read the master plan and who kind of caught this vision. And we met weekly. And as we're thinking about, okay, yeah, let's, let's be church planters. Let's, let's do this. Caitlin, having this dialogue with Caitlin. And, uh, but I wanted to go through this thing called assessment. So there's this thing that this organization called C2C organizes, and it's called assessment. So they look at your life. So Caitlin and I showed up. Um, it was in Quebec. When was this? In 2017, May 2017. Kate and I flew to Quebec. And what child was there? So Emerald was born. My in-laws came graciously to take her to the zoo. Audrey was just like a little babe, nursing baby. And we're, with, we're in this room. It's like a four-day conference with other aspiring church planters. <clears throat> and uh, we were getting assessed. And what they assess is your, your ability your, your, your theology, so your, your knowledge of the Bible, is it strong? Um, they assess your marriage, your finance, your diet, your mental state. It was, it was like, uh, I don't know how to describe it. It was like being interrogated for four days, basically. <laughs> and then they say, go, go now. You're, you're good. Or you're not good. You need a lot of help. So that was us. We need a lot of help. <clears throat> but so C2C, they walked with us since May 2017. And then Mountain View Church um, graciously partnered with Caitlin and I, and they hired me on as an apprentice, a pastoral apprentice, so I would learn what it would be like to be a pastor and, and um, learn from the elders and go to copious amount of meetings and things like that, things that pastors do. And I liked it. And in February 2018, um, we continued more formal meetings about church planting specifically. And then in March 2018, I quit my job as an early childhood educator at the Kwan Dun First Nation. I don't know if any of you knew that, but my education is in early childhood education. So if you have children here, I am psychoanalyzing them all the time, <laughs> including my own. They need a lot of help. <clears throat> so I quit my job with the Kwan Dun. And then in April 2018, I began this part-time work with uh, Mountain View Church. 
And then in, on April 8th at 2 p.m., we launched our first public gathering at Mountain View Church. And that was a exciting and nerve-wracking time because it's like church isn't a business, but some make it a business. This is not a business. I'm not in it for the money. We'll talk about the budget after. But it's like when you start a business and like who's, who's going to come on opening day? Like who's, who's going to show up? Is anyone going to show up? And I forget who the first person to show up was, but it was this lady that we knew and she wanted to come support us. And <clears throat> I don't know. I, I don't know who was there. Maybe we had 12 that day or, or something. Maybe none. I forget. It was just all a blur. So that was our first, like, we call it a preview service. And we, and, we, and we practiced kind of what we're doing now, you know, working on some things like music and slides and that. And then on January 6, 2019, we moved here and we bumped it up to 3 p.m. And that's kind of the gist of our story. And our vision that I've asked you to recite so eloquently to see thriving gospel-centered churches in all Yukon communities by making disciples that make disciples. Where did, we get, where did we get that vision from? Well, we got it from God at a visioning retreat. So there's some leaders from our church. We went to a cabin out on Marsh Lake. Yep. Out on Marsh Lake. And we had, what, was it moose stew? It was hard. It was a hard day. We had moose stew, we're in a cabin, and we're talking about the vision, and where do we see the Northern Collective going? And one of the questions that C2C asked, and, and one of our, um, denom- or the only denomination that oversees us, the Fellowship, the Fellowship Pacific, and they said, in, in writing a vision, and coming up with a vision prayerfully, you also need to ask, is this worth dying for? Because if this vision is not worth dying for, it's just not going to last. If you're not willing to die for it, you're not going to be excited about it. But you don't want it to be too easy. Like, have church last a month. We did that, Lord willing. Or God graciously allowed us to go beyond a month. But as we were talking and brainstorming and coming up with different visions, this is what we landed on as a leadership. And I'm excited about this vision. That God would make himself known, not only in Whitehorse, but to our surrounding communities. But the foundation of all of this is the glory of God. We're not here to start a franchise and just start another Northern Collective somewhere. We're here because we serve an awesome God who is amazing in all his attributes, we want his glory to be known. So before I get into the rest of how we're going to meet this vision, I'd like to ask you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. So this is a letter that this man named Paul wrote to a church in Corinth. And Paul in his former life, was very hostile towards God, hostile towards Christians. He had a warrant from, essentially a warrant from the government to imprison Christians, to hurt them, to torture them. And he would go from city to city doing that. And then Jesus Christ showed up in his life and everything changed. Now he plants churches. Well, he's in heaven now, but as he's writing to Corinth, he, he's, 
He planted the Corinthian church. He started the Corinthian church. And this is what he wrote to them. 2 Corinthians verse four, or chapter 4, verse 6. For God who said, light, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Paul had this dramatic conversion. His life was completely transformed from darkness until Jesus showed up and then his light illuminated his heart and everything changed. This is the condition of all of us, of everyone, prior to an encounter with Jesus. We are blind, we are in the darkness, we have no ability to go after God unless God comes and rescues us and illuminate our hearts with his light. Only God opens the eyes of the blind. Only God brings light into the darkness. And the beauty of this glorious God is that there is no one beyond God's power. Nobody is beyond God's power. He spoke the galaxies into existence. With a single word, he brought light and plants and animals and mountains and he made us and he didn't break a sweat this glorious God created everything for himself God is simply glorious in all that he is and everything that he does have you ever seen something and all you can do is stare and there are no words because it's simply so glorious I remember seeing the northern lights a few years ago I was at a friend's cabin in Atlin. We decided to go outside. And above us, there were like, the northern lights, they were like neon ribbons and flags illuminating the sky. And it was like they were above us, like we were about to be abducted by aliens. I don't think aliens exist, but if that were the case, these lights were like illuminating down and they're dancing. There's purple and blue and green. And, and you simply think in your heart, glorious. Glorious. It's just like perfect. Have you ever had an experience like that? I remember I had a cake once where I was at a staff meeting and someone brought this cake and I took a bite. And I, I promise you, I almost cried. It was so, I, I don't know, I think they got it from the chocolate claim actually. I don't know if they make it anymore because I try to find it. I took a bite of this cake and my heart was just crying glorious. This is so good. And it, it, it was just almost perfect. But those things are good because they're a taste of a glorious God. This, this grants us just a shadow of how glorious and perfect God is. Why is it that we go to sports games? Is it not to see our team win, but you want to see an amazing performance, right? You're not looking at, you know, under five soccer and they're all falling over and chasing the ball like bumblebees and you're not like, that's glorious. No, because you think one day that they will become a really great soccer player and they'll just dance through people like the Northern Lights and then afterwards enjoy this glorious cake and cry. That's why we're drawn to glory. Because of how it illuminates and gives us a taste of what God is like. These are gifts that we each get. God is simply glorious in everything He is and He does. In chapter 4 of Revelation... Verse 11, it says this, 
the writer says, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. God's glory is why we exist. This is the purpose of everyone who's born. You were made for God. We were made for God. This is why the Northern Collective exists. And this is the foundation of our vision, is the glory of God. But again, how are we going to meet this vision? To see thriving, gospel-centered churches in all Yukon communities by making disciples that make disciples. How are we going to meet this vision? With some planning. When I talk to some church planters and they talk about their church plant, and I've done this before, we like to use the word organic. (laughs) It's organic. We just want to see organic things happen, which to an extent is good because you can't plan everything. And I'm a type A. I grew up in a Chinese household where everything's like, like that. And I, surra- I need to surround myself with people who are a little bit more organic. Because <laughs> sometimes when you talk to church planters and you talk to me and I use the word organic, I've had these conversations before, organic just means disorganized. You are unorganized and you don't know what you're doing. So you're saying this thing is organic. And you're like, that's not how church works. Because you, the church is, is both an organism and an organization. So it's like your family. Yes, you're not planning every second of that family's life, hopefully, or else you will just destroy that family by too much planning. But also, there's some freedom. So organic has lost all its meaning. I don't use it anymore. If I do, it's because I'm just trying to be fancy in how I'm saying I'm unorganized. But we're planning to see this vision, to see churches planted in Yukon's communities. Healthy churches have healthy people. Healthy churches plant healthy churches. So one of the first things that we do, that we're hoping to do, is is get everyone involved with a connect group. So what is a connect group? It's, It's essentially a place where you can connect with Christ and with other people. A connect group is a place where you can connect with Christ or with other people. So at Northern Collective, currently we have things like women's Bible study. Fridays with Amy and Jenny. And we have Invitation Team, which meets here at 1.30 now, before 2 p.m., to walk the streets of Whitehorse, talking to people. Um, I go to the shelter. That's my route. Talk to people, pray with people, sometimes hand things out. We have Establish, the Established Disciple Making Series, every Thursday at 7 p.m. with Jody and Brent Restow. They meet at Mountain View Church every Thursday at 7 p.m. And we have the monthly men's breakfast led by Bob Duke and Tony Enns. We want people connected with one another so that we take care of each other. I'd like to take care of you all, but I can't. Because sometimes I can barely take care of myself (laughs) and my three kids. But I do. I want to catch up with you guys, see how you're doing. But ultimately, I want you guys connected with Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, consider checking one of these connect groups. Consider 
I mean, you don't even need to have connect groups to get connected. Go out for coffee with people. I think I've discipled more people over coffee than I have in connect groups. I'm not disqualifying connect groups, but we also need some organization to our organicness. <laughs> so all of us getting connected in connect groups. If you're not in one, please talk with me. Oh, there's also music sessions. If you want to be part of the music team, learn music. Um, Emma's leading that every Saturday. Connect groups. Community connections. What is that? That's a new word for everybody now. Community connections. If you want to see thriving churches in all Yukon communities, how are you going to do that? Well, at some point, you've got to go to a community, right? You can't just be like, hey, we're on Facebook Live. We're actually not on Facebook Live. But, hey, just watch our videos. Church. No, that's not church. That's absolutely not church. That's a way to, to hear the word of God if other resources are not there. But Community Connections is, there's going to be a group of us. So, currently, it's Andrew Stark, Andrew Stark, Tony Enns, myself and Brent Rousteau. We're planning in the spring, we're going to go visit Pelly Crossing. And now Tony Enns has, Tony and Janet have a relationship with the people of Pelly. They, they live there for a number of years. And so we're not just showing up and saying, hey, God is here now, heathens. No, we're, we're going to go and we're going to build relationships. And it's a slow game. So again, we're not a franchise. I'm not going to print multiple slides like this, and, and we're not going to do exactly what, the, what we're doing here there. We're going to build relationships, talk with people, but we're going to focus around the Word of God. So Brent and Jody are a great resource for that in teaching foundational Bible teaching. Tony also has a great knowledge of the Bible, and he has a relationship there. Andrew Stark, he's taken his master's in biblical and theological studies. And he's a great asset. But above all else, they're willing to do the hard work in building relationships. And if you had any relationships, whether it's a marriage or friendship, you know it's hard and it doesn't just happen like that. So in the springtime, Lord willing, we're going to drive there. We'll get our Tim Hortons and we'll just see how God leads us in that. And please, please pray for us as, as we go there. And, and we're going to Pelly. Church in hard places. So now, what if, what if now these connect groups are going pretty good, we're building relationships in some of these communities, and somebody says, I'd like to plant a church. I'd, I'd like to do something like that. <clears throat> Northern Collective has partnered with Acts 29, this global church planting organization, and Church in Hard Places. And currently, myself and our Newfoundland friend, Stephen Bray, him and I are apprenticing six church planters across the country. Six church planters who are thinking about planting churches in difficult places. And some are, are just starting to think about it. Some of it are a little further down the road. But Stephen and I and um, some other men were walking these six men through a two-year apprenticeship where each month they read a book they write a paper, and they tell us how they're applying that in their context. And so in Canada, there's six. 
apprentices in Church in Hard Places. Globally, there's over 91 apprentices right now being discipled as church planters to plant churches that plant churches. So if somebody says, I'd like to plant a church, we can throw them, <laughs> we can throw them in the Church in Hard Places apprenticeship and we can walk them through that, discipling them, teaching them. And the fourth thing, gospel foundations. What is gospel foundations? Because we want to plant gospel-centered churches. What is a gospel-centered church? It's a church that focuses on the good news of Jesus Christ and God's glory. As displayed through the Bible. So right now we've been going through a series through Genesis, the first book of the Bible. And we're going to continue that next week in, in Genesis chapter 18. And when we're finished Genesis, we're going to go through a series called Gospel Foundations where it walks us through the entire Bible in one year, hitting on the major foundations of the Bible and how everything in the Bible is in light of the Gospel. Jesus had an encounter with these men and these men are talking, and, and, and Jesus kind of goes up to them, hey, what are you guys talking about? And they were talking about these things that have been happening. This, this man Jesus had shown up, and all these miracles that have happened, and, and things are kind of chaotic. And, and they were reading parts of the Old Testament, so the first part of the Bible. And he's saying to them, these things that you read about are about me. These things that you're reading about in the Old Testament are about me. They're shadows of a reality that is found in me. And so he's talking to religious leaders in a book called Matthew, and he says to them, you search the scriptures day and night, thinking that in them they have eternal life. But these words testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me. The whole Bible is about Jesus. It all points to Jesus. That's what Gospel Foundations is. Because we want to center churches around the Word of God. Because when the glitz and glamour of Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, I can go on. When that fades and music styles change and the world changes and how they dress and how they look and how they speak, the Word of God does not change. So we need to be centered around the Word of God always. Always around the Word of God. So that's our vision planning. And what are some action plans that we can take? How are we going to do this together as a body of believers? For the past four years, Caitlin and I have been reading the Bible together in a year. And we hope to continue that in the new year. And we're talking about maybe doing it through uh, the Read Scripture app. So the Read Scripture app, <coughs> it goes through the Bible in a year semi-chronologically but there's also 
intro videos to each book of the Bible. And so we're hoping to do that. And my hope for us is that we can do something like that together. If you already have a Bible reading plan, that's great. I encourage you to stick to it. If you don't, if you've never read the Bible in a year before, this is your opportunity to do that. If you don't have a smartphone or an app to get the Read Scripture app, that's okay because I printed a lot of these little pages that you can claim on the back there. And they go through every day starting January 1st. You're going to read Genesis 1 to 3. You're going to read Psalm 1. And you can watch the movie on Genesis. Day 2, Genesis 4 to 7. And we can do that together. We can read the Bible together as a church. So you can pick that up on your way out if you'd like to read with us in a year. Second thing, set times of prayer. John Piper, I talk about him a lot. I like him a lot. I don't like him more than Jesus, if you're thinking that. (laughs) But set times of prayer. Because he says, nobody goes on vacation by accident. That sometimes happens, but if you're planning a 10-day vacation, you got to plan. You're going to plan where you're going to go, how you're going to get there. Caitlin does all this in our family, so I just show up. <laughs> but you got to set something up because you don't accidentally go to the Bahamas for 10 days. And if you do, I'd like to hear that story. <laughs> but, you, but, but prayer is the same thing. We think, I'm just going to pray randomly. I'm just going to... I feel like praying. How many of you, that's the case? If, if you leave that organic style of prayer, the chances are you won't pray at all. So you got to know yourself. You got to set like, he says, you have to set a chair and how you're going to sit in that chair, when you're going to be there. So for me, I simply, I set alarms. I need a lot of alarms. <laughs> My wife is also one of those alarms that I can't close. <laughs> Did she hear it? <laughs> Don't listen to the podcast. So I set alarms. Um, what do I do? What do I do? So at 10.02 in the morning, every morning, I pray for the Northern Collective in our city. My alarm goes off and it says, pray. We pray as the Northern Collective at 2.30 if you're here early. At 7.14 p.m., I made an alarm that says, Pray for Kate and kids. Emerald, Audrey, Hazel. Sometimes I forget my kids' names. (laughs) You got to set times of prayer. Because if you don't, you just won't do it. I know that's me. That's my story. So I got to do that. And even before work, it's it's easy to get caught up in, in, in the emails and the administration things and the sound and the lack of Wi-Fi and all that stuff. But before I open my Bible or um, my computer or anything at work, I pray. Set times of prayer. And maybe let's try to pray together. Also on the table back there, there's these, uh, this handout. What is this you ask? It's all 16 Yukon communities. So incorporated communities. 16 incorporated communities. So I don't want to get emails from Ibex Valley like, why am I not in that? 
You're not incorporated in Ibex Valley. There's all 16 communities here for 16 days of prayer starting tomorrow. If you sign up for the email list, you're going to get blasted with that. But just once. All 16 communities are there. You can see the population, uh, the indigenous population, the average age, the main language, and how many churches they have there. There's a little write-up about, for example, Beaver Creek. For 16 days, let's pray for our territory together. You can take one of these handouts. But if you have email or a smart device, uh, please just open your email or I can send you a, a file just so we can save paper. So let's pray together. I also have magnets, and some of you have those magnets. That will be the order of the prayer. It will start with Beaver Creek, go to Burwash, Carcross. I forgot to put out the magnets, and maybe I'll find them later. You can take them, put them on your fridge, wherever that is, that you look every day. <clears throat> so we can pray together. And the last thing is, maybe consider partnering us with us financially. that our future budget, our future existence, it costs money. Um, the 50 for 50 is 50 people in for $50 a month. And if you're already giving, thank you for that. This is an opportunity to... <laughs> I didn't think I was going to say this, but I am. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And that's just true. And I'm not using that as a sales pitch. But there's something. In invest, we're investing in, in, in eternity. We're investing in eternity. And the world functions with money. And we want to be loose with our materials. And the best way to fight that is to give it away. Because Christ has been so generous with us. Everything that we have, the skills, the ability, the jobs we have, if we have jobs... The money we get is all from God. Now, you don't have to give it to the Northern Collective, but I would, consider to, I would ask you to consider to relook at your finances and how you can use it for the spreading of the gospel globally, not just with us, with any organization. So that's 50 for 50. And I'm going to close with our budget, our 2020 budget. Personnel, that's plural, even though it's, I'm the only one getting paid, even though there's a lot of hours put in by a lot of people here, and I wish you could get paid. Maybe we can talk about that in 2021. But personnel, that's essentially my salary. Operations, it goes to the rent and the equipment that we need to purchase from time to time, Bibles, curriculums, things like that, and missions. So this is new. A portion of every dollar that comes in will go out to church planting, either equipping church planters, paying for co the community connection trips, and paying for um, or resourcing church planters either in Canada or around the world. And we haven't figured out how exactly we're going to choose who we are going to support. But right away, um, it's actually over 11%, but at least 10% to 11% of every dollar that comes in will go towards church planting. God has a vision for the world, and it is that it would know him and enjoy him 
our vision is based on the glorious Christ that purchased us at the cost of his own blood, who loved us so much that he died for us. Our rebellion, our crimes against God, our state of sin that we inherited from the first man, Adam, has separated us from God, but God says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to have you back in my family. And that glorious Christ is alive. And he's working amongst us. And we want to work under God and what he's doing in the world. And we get that through the Bible. So as we see our 2020 vision, 2020 vision, as we see our 2020 vision <laughs> come to fruition, it is a humble, humble submission to God. I didn't want to throw up a bunch of numbers and say, like, I, I didn't want to be presumptuous of what God is doing. I'm also not against numbers. But we, we all need to be humble and, and, and know that God is the one at work and it is his vision and we have been invited to play a part. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for shining your light in our hearts. God, for those of us who do not know you, would you illuminate their hearts? that they would see the glorious Christ and how everything is for you, how we use and leverage everything that your name would be known. Not our name, not our church, but your glory and your name. Teach us, Father, what we need to do each day with what we have that people would know you above all things. We pray this in Jesus' name.